Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in their new facility in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace, it is our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. And welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio. This is Keith Radke, and if you have been a longtime listener, you'd recognize my voice as the original uh, uh, opening voice for the show. I'm here with Steve Pearson, who is uh, the voice you're used to hearing on a weekly basis. Steve, how are you doing today? Man, I'm good. We're... Uh we're, we're back at it again. This is called Flashback. This it, is it OG is. <laughs> days of Shouts of Grace Radio, um, starting here in, in Key Radio and, and having a having a good time talking about everything. I mean, books of the Bible, current events, and those kind of things. But I wanted to take over the, the helm today because I think it's important for people to get to know you a little bit. Oh, no. um, I've known you <laughs> since January of 2017, so that's five years. Um, God brought us into each other's life, um, at just the right time. I needed it. And I've had the privilege of hearing your story. Uh, I think a lot of people, um, would like to hear more of your story. So I want to start, uh, first just saying thank you. Thank you for being a good friend. I'm thankful to the Lord that he brought us together and you've been an instrumental friend and, um, uh, leader and, uh, accountability partner and co-labor for the gospel. And so just thank you for that. And uh, I'm blessed by you. And our church, River Community Church, is blessed by you and by the partnership that we have with the church you pastor, Redemption Hill. Well, I appreciate that, brother. All right. Well, let's talk about you, if that's okay. But really what we want to do is... I hate that topic. I know, I know. (laughs) But what we want to do is we want to talk about where you came from. Um, Tell us a little bit about your, your childhood, your upbringing, and how you came to know Jesus Christ, how he saved you. Yeah, I was, man, I was just messed up. I came from a messed up home. I, you know, my, my uh, mom, you know, we, she grew up Jewish, but you know, she was just, she did her best. She didn't know the Lord. Um, you know, single parent, I was a product of a, of an affair between her and and a truck driver coming through town. And so, uh, she contemplated abortion, praise God that that, that didn't happen. But, um, yeah, so I was born in Southern California. We weren't, we were poor. I mean, she kind of had not poor by world standards, but you know, by, by Southern California standards, she had three jobs. She was like a a receptionist, a cocktail waitress and, and something that I don't even want to mention. Um, but it just was a bad environment, man. It Mm -hmm. just, you know, and, Um, so early on, I just, um, you know, I kind of started gravitating towards, towards friends that kind of became my, you know, the wrong friends and had a couple good friends, particularly had a Mormon family down the road that took me kind of in and I spent most of my time there and, and, you know, just, just, um, they were, they were just great, great people, but, but yeah, you know, and so in my early, my early years as a teen, I got into drinking and drugs and all that stuff. And. Um, my mom got me a big brother from greater, big brother, greater Los Angeles. Mm. And he was a, he was a good man and he's, he's, he's alive today and we, we keep in touch from time to time, but he was a, a, it was a Jewish big brother. And so he really wanted me to be bar mitzvah. And so I started going to temple and, you know, and, and I was, I was a terror, man. I I think I, I might've, you know, caused the abomination of desolation several times. (laughs) I would break in and throw the phylacteries across and see how the hard yarmulkes would, how far they would travel as Frisbees. And they, they hated me there, man. So they rushed me through that program. It was like, here, learn this prayer and stand up in front of everybody 
somebody and it was like I said it and it's like now get out and don't come back. <laughs> get it over with. Yeah. Man. So anyway, I kind of I went through that phase and um and then I, you know, my first exposure to the gospel oddly enough was was at elementary school. There were these kids that were talking and so I remember um, hearing the name of Jesus Christ for the first time. And so when my mom picked me up, I was in the back seat and I was like, mom, who's Jesus Christ? And like, without warning, she just turns around and out the, I lived in the days when like parents didn't put you in timeout, right? right it was right. like timeout. And then they socked you or they did something to make you, you know, remember something for the rest of your life. And so, you know, she reaches in the back and she's like, she's like five two, 175 pounds with these really thick hands and just knocked me in my face. And she just said, don't ever say that name again. Oh wow! And I was like, she doesn't realize this, but she actually probably played one of the greatest roles in me coming to Christ because from that moment on I remember thinking wow what what kind of name would would invoke such a reaction right. from a person you know so time would go on and but then I would I um I, this this girl that I thought was cute was a baptist and so she's I had friend day at church and so they invited me and my friends and it was you know we were probably 16 and we decided to go get drunk before we went to church. And so I went and I was kind of hung over. They were sleeping. And that was the first time I heard the gospel from a pastor named Chet. Chet shared the gospel as a wall. And he said that um, there's a wall between you and God and you can't go under it. You can't go around it. You can't go through it. You can't go over it. It's there. It's impenetrable and it will forever separate you from God. And, and as wow. he's explaining this, this is the imagery, maybe because I was hung over, I don't know, but the imagery was profound. And I was just like, I believe the spirit of God just sobered me up. And I was like, man, you know, and, and he said, so the only one that can remove that wall is God. And then he started to share the gospel, how Christ died for my sins. Mm -hmm. And he broke down the wall, the separation between me and God. Right. And it became evident at that point. I'd never heard that before in my life. 16 years old sounds kind of pathetic, but it just became evident like, man, like this, you know, when it says the gospel is the power of God into salvation, it convicted me. It, it went right to my soul. And I, I remember giving my life to Christ, you know, that time I didn't even care about the girl anymore. I'm just like, man. Right. And then, you know, there was just this push, like it, I've just never been a person who's liked to be pushed into something, right. you know? And there was just this push, you know, you need to get baptized, you need to get baptized. And it just turned me off, you know, mm. really wasn't explained to me that much, but you just need to do this. And so I remember I was sitting out kind of in the park. I was after baseball practice. I was by myself. And I just remember thinking and praying and saying, God, I know you're real. I know you exist. I just don't want all these different people's versions of you. I right. had a friend who was a Mormon, best friend. They wanted, they had their version. And now I've got this Baptist guy that always wants me to get, you know, and it just, I said, I remember saying, I just want you, just you, just the Bible. I'm so confused, you know? And then very shortly after that, I ended up at Calvary Chapel of Downey in Downey, California. And it was the answer to my prayer. It mm. was just the word of God. Right. There wasn't this push. I mean, yeah, they offered baptism, but I think their first offer I refused and nobody pushed, nobody said anything. It was just, you know, a constant steady flow of God's word. And God started to teach me and God started to show me. And there was room that the church left for me to be discipled by the Holy Spirit, right. not not the, you know, ordinances of men and all the stuff that they were putting on you, dress this way, put this tie on, act this way. I was mm -hmm. like, whoa. And so what happened, Keith, is shortly after that, I just realized, man, you know, I think I was 20, 21 at the time and, and I already lived my life a party and I was done. I was like, man, is this all there is to life? 
and God just got a hold of me and, and, and Jeff Johnson gave a message and I felt like, man, this is, this is, this is me. And he offered anybody who wants to accept Christ. I accepted him and, and, and that day changed my life. About six months later, I was baptized free will. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I actually did it my, on my own. And then, um, and then I had a hard time. Um, I had a hard time because I know there's listeners out there, but I had a hard time, um, because I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anybody that was into it. And so I kind of slipped back into the world. I knew it was wrong. I would pray every night, you know, as I was lay down drunk, I'd be praying, God, please don't let me die. Please don't let me mm-hmm. die. I don't want to die in this condition, you know? And I just said, I need, I need help. I need somebody to walk with, you know? And so, um, one night I went out to a, to a college nightclub in Long Beach and, there, there was this most beautiful five foot four girl that I ever saw in my life across the room. And I went over to her and I just, you know, it sounds kind of, kind of bad and corny, but I hope I can say this on air, but I just said, Hey, you got killer legs. And she <laughs> looked at me, she said, well, that's not all. And she walked away and I was like, I got to get to know her. And so, um, I got to know her. I married her and had three kids with her and we're we married for 20, <laughs> almost 27 years. But, um, but, but it was weird because she was Catholic at the time. And, and we, we went on this long drive together and I realized God answered my prayer because I was praying pathetically because I was too weak to walk on my own. God sent me someone and he sent me someone who would eventually be my wife, but we both kind of took off. I rededicated my life. She got saved. And then it was just, you know, it was lights out from there. I mean, God brought me on staff at Calvary Downey. Um, I was, you know, doing like maintenance and, but I was teaching apologetics, which mm-hmm. was my passion and then youth. And so, um, Keith, God, I mean, I will be the first to say the Lord went after me. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. couldn't find him. I wasn't looking there was too many options. I was so messed up. And, and so I'm eternally grateful that Jesus pursued me with a passion and, and open my eyes. And I can say, people can say whatever they want about, you know, ordained before the foundations of the world or whatever. I, God found me yeah. and I had to respond to him yeah. and, and I did. And he took me serious. And, and it sounds like really similar to what Simon Peter would have experienced where he had multiple encounters with Jesus yeah. before he finally followed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and believed and said out loud, like, yeah. You're the only ones with the words of life. And yeah. I was passionate about a God I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you really. had all these different religious impressions being made on you and, yeah. and very confusing. Maybe that's something we can talk about on the other side uh, of the break here is how how can a person who's confused uh, by all of those things um, f- find out what's true? I, I think you've already mm. alluded it to it, but if you can kind of explain that, that yeah. would be great. So you're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio. We're interviewing Pastor Steve and just asking him to share his story uh, about how God has used his life. And uh, so we'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Shouts of Grace, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill or Pastor Steve, you can visit our website at rhutah.church. That's rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo. And Key Radio can be found online at keyradio.org. Now let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's broadcast. So back with Pastor Steve Pearson here on Shouts of Grace. I am Keith Radke. Good to be with y'all. Um, we, we are the OGs for the show, and <laughs> I'm glad to have a little bit more time to spend with you uh, these days, Steve. So, Steve, you, you shared your testimony just of how you came to believe in Christ, and, and it was incremental. And there was a couple of different uh, 
you know, mile markers for you of just giving your life to Christ. Um, but you brought up something I think a lot of people can relate with. You know, you had a, you had a Jewish mom who apparently was non-religious, but also wanted you to have, you know, traditional religion, and so you 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 had that experience with the Jewish faith, and you had uh, your Mormon neighbors. Um, you know, the girl brought you to the Baptist church. You know, you eventually uh, landed at a Calvary chapel. So, you know, just all over the place, your your, your wife was Catholic when you met. How how can a person, um, and, and make, I think the answer is self-evident, but I, just if you could just explain it, how did you come to see with clarity the truth in in the Bible, the truth found in Jesus Christ? And, and looking back, like, how would you talk to somebody about how to sort out all these big questions? Like, is there really God? Which faith is real? Don't all paths lead to God? All those kind of things that are brought up when, when we have all these multiple impressions uh, from religion. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I will tell you that um, in John chapter 4, Jesus um, has an appointment that he says, I must go through Samaria, but he has an appointment with a woman at the well, a woman mm-hmm. who was rejected, who had just a misconception about the worship of God. You know, she even tells Jesus, you know, our fathers say we need to worship God in this mountain. You Jews say we need to worship him in Jerusalem. And then God, and then Jesus says to her, well, woman, believe me, the time is coming and now is when the true worshipers of God will worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh, wow. I knew that there was truth to the worship of God. I right. didn't know what it was, but I was willing to admit, God, I don't know where to go. Here, here, here's the thing that God does with the sinner. God doesn't lead people astray. And, and when someone really cries out for truth and they're like, Lord, I'm confused. I mean, I've got my best friend over here that's dressing me up in a tie that doesn't fit, dragging me to the Mormon church. I've got another friend over here who's who's a Jehovah's Witness, and he wants me to go into this weird cave building that doesn't have any windows, and it's like, man. And then I've got this Baptist girl over here, and they just want me to get baptized, get me to baptize. Like, that's the end of all. And then I've got my Jewish roots that are like, forget them all, you know? Right. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what to do, you know? And, and God brought me to a place and put me around people. He answered me. He had an appointment with me at the well, if you will, to explain to me there is truth in worship. And honestly, Keith, I I didn't, you know, I became more theological Mm. as time went on and I wanted to know more about God. I just wanted to know the truth. And yeah. and God started with me. He didn't start with all the things I need to, you need to believe this in order to have the truth. You need to believe, he started with me. I learned the truth about myself first, that mm. I am deeply broken yeah. and stained with sin, corrupted to the innermost being of my soul. And I don't know how to fix myself. When I, when I want to do good, I don't. That ministered to me, Romans 7. When I want to do good, I don't. The things I don't want to do are the things that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. I was there and I was just like, and still am, to be honest with you. It's like, God, how do you fix that? And that is when the gospel took root. And I realized, you know what? God fixed me. God set me in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Lord is the one who will present me blameless before his glory and grace. And those things started to take root in my soul. And I realized, man, Lord, you have done everything according to my salvation I'm just bankrupt. Here I am. And when you take a willing sinner who understands they're a sinner and understands their need and makes a request to God, God answers and he gives them truth and you become a true worshiper. And so, so he just, he just sifted it out. And over time, when you walk with the Lord, you know, Jesus said of the Holy spirit, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. And God just started to unfold more and more. and, And that's the process really for every believer. 
That's great. I, I think that's one of the things that we can get frustrated as Christians. We forget that when we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we were clueless like a baby. I mean, it doesn't matter what our intellectual understanding was. Like until there's an admission that we are nothing and completely dependent on God, you know, God God lets us figure it out on our own. And and then we get to the end of ourselves and the end of our understanding and we cry out to God and he begins to work on the heart. And and Amen. I think that is something I would encourage anybody. If you're praying for a friend or a family member, like don't try to fix their theology right now. Like, yeah. Let them meet Jesus. Share them the truth about how God loves them, how our sinful condition is not something we can fix. I mean, that sermon you talked about where, you know, there's a wall between you and God. I mean, what a vivid illustration. You know, Jesus spoke in the same types of parables, right? Just giving people a visual illustration of, of who God was and who they were mm. and, and how they could be reconciled to God. What What are some yeah. ways that people can um, share their faith with a person like you, you know, at, at that time, or just a, a person that they care about where they're getting past, they're getting past trying to fix what they believe, right. About, you know, the Trinity, like that's probably right. one of the biggest ones that I've run across in the, in the, you know, in my life is like, well, I, I don't understand the Trinity. Is it one God or three gods? And, you know, you're sitting there trying to come up with illustrations like, well, you know, it's like properties of water or the egg or those kind of things. Like how, do, how do we, how can we carefully, um, present the gospel to someone and and be truthful, but yeah. also avoid that that seeming need or drive to fix what they believe, so to speak. Yeah, you know what's funny is I've never, I don't know that I've ever shared a theological gospel invitation to convince people of the theology of God to come to God. It's, you know, I, I don't see Paul doing a whole lot of that. I see him reasoning with people from the scriptures who think they know the scriptures. But when he goes to the Gentiles, he takes what's in front of him. He takes the brokenness of their life. And he takes the fact that, that they're worshiping idols that they don't know, you know, right. gods that don't even have a name on them. You know, they're just like, they're attributing life and all. It's just, he just takes real life. And, and I found early on, my first gospel presentation was on a construction site. You know, I was, I was six months old in the Lord and we're all at lunch and there's 10 of us on the curb with our, with our sandwiches and eating and I'm having a conversation with a guy, four guys down and we're talking about religion. I'm on fire with the Lord. I don't know anything, man. All I know is I was blind. Now I see, you know? And so he starts opening up this thing and it wasn't deep theological. He just said, you know, well, tell me why there's so much suffering in the world. And and so I start talking to him before you know it, I, I didn't want to have three guys in front of us. So I stood up and as I stood up, I'm giving my ser first sermon to 10 construction guys <laughs> sitting on a curb, eating lunch for 30 minutes, you know? And, and I don't even know what I said. All I know is afterwards, one of the guys came up and said, Hey man, he goes, I had really never heard that before. Thanks. And it was the gospel. It was like, yeah. look, dude, you know, you're, you're, you're messed up and, and, and there's a hell and, and, you know, and just so, so I think the way you share the gospel is where you're at, because one of the most intimidating things and the enemy uses it in the form of fear so that we keep our mouths shut is that you don't know enough. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know enough, keep your mouth shut because yeah. you could really mess things up. And what I'm saying is, you know enough to get saved and, and God shared the gospel with you through somebody. If that's all you got, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Just open up your mouth. Like God told Moses, open your mouth. I'll fill it. Moses had to fear. I don't want to go talk to them. What is, and, and I think a lot of people miss out on 
just seeing God do great exploits because they're just afraid, I don't know enough. And what if I mess it up? If you mess it up, God will forgive you the parts you mess up, but he'll use the parts you got right. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> you know? so good. That's so good. So just in the last couple of minutes we have for this episode, we're, we're actually going to do uh, another episode where we talk a little bit about your ministry life and how, how you found your calling, right, or how God called you to ministry and, and what that looks like and maybe just an encouragement for people who are wrestling with that. But um, how... What are some good practical steps for a person right now who is on the fence um, about God? Like, what what would you just say to them right now? Like, hmm. I'm on the fence great. about God. I'm hearing this. There's some things you're saying that are making sense, but how do I know it's true? Yeah, I would say the very fact that you recognize you're on the fence gives testimony to the truthfulness of God's word, mm. which states in Ecclesiastes that God has set eternity in the heart of men. So you know that there's more beyond you. And, and you know, you see Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3, people responding to the light of creation that you're accountable to, the light of your conscience, and then ultimately the light of the gospel. And I would say... If you feel that, if you sense that, it's because God made you that way. And he's placed a yearning in the heart so that you would seek out something other than what you just see. So you know there's more and you can't, you know, the Bible says the fool said in his heart, there is no God. You You can have your heart hardened towards the reality of God because of what you see and experience in this life, but it's there, he's there, and you know it. And so I would just simply tell you to do what I did. If you knock, the door will be opened. If you seek, you will find, right? Isaiah 55 verse 5 says, Let the wicked man forsake his way. Let the, let the Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and God will abundantly pardon him. God wants you to seek him and he wants you to turn away and be willing to turn away from your old life. And so if you have had enough of sin ruling over you, you know, there's an afterlife, you know, there's an accountability. You sense that the only fence you're on typically has to do with fear because you don't know what this life holds and what it might take away from your current life. Right. And I would say, I and everybody, yourself included, I and everybody that has taken the step, Keith, who has taken the jump, has never regretted it. That right. This right. side of life, knowing Christ, is profoundly different, and it's a confirmation of everything that God has said in his word, and it's a journey that you go on, this love affair that just where it's just you're unfaithful, and he's faithful, and he carries you at times, and then you have these highs, and then you have these pitiful lows, and then you cry, and you're like, God, why am I so unfaithful? And he says, but I'm faithful for you, right. and it's just years of investment into you, and I'll tell you, there's nothing like it, and yeah, so, so I would true. say jump off the fence. Amen. Thank you so much, Steve, for taking this time to share your story about how you came to faith in Christ. What I want to encourage those of you who are praying for a friend or a family member who you know, they need Jesus. They need what only he can give. They need this abundant life that God promises to all who come to faith in Jesus. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep inviting him. You know what? You're not going to always get it right. You're going to invite that friend to church, and then you're going to kind of go on about baptism. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're not going to always—it's not going to be perfect. But be be open and be invitational and be welcoming it and let people know. Just tell people about your faith. Mm. Tell people about what you've discovered. And what will end up happening 
is a person's going to encounter a little bit of Jesus with you yeah. and a little bit of Jesus with the next person. And eventually they're going to have a story of, of, of that transformation that comes uh, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, you're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio. This is uh, Keith Radke with Steve Pearson. We're interviewing him, and I encourage you to tune in to our next uh, episode as we talk about the calling that God places on our lives uh, through Steve's story. You can find out more about Shouts of Grace Radio at shoutsofgraceradio.com. Podcasts are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, all the rest. Uh, Steve, there are 183 episodes of Shouts of Grace Radio. So uh, you can get started from the newest or you can uh, start at the beginning and and hear the uh, the journey of this show. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to being with you again next time. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us here at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.